Hey there, and welcome to episode 36 of the Eyes Free Sports podcast. As usual, this is your host here with you, Greg Lindbergh. On this episode of Eyes Free Sports, we are chatting about golf for the blind and visually impaired, and we're visiting with two blind golfers, both of whom are very active within the USBGA, which is the United States Blind Golf Association. So let's get rolling now here with episode 36. Okay, so on this episode of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast, we are talking about blind golf. And to help us do so, I have two uh, great guests here joining me on the podcast. First off, I'd like to introduce Greg Hooper. Greg, welcome aboard. Thank you so very much, Greg. And uh, I'm uh, very gracious that... uh, that you have chosen us to be on the podcast with you today. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, talking about our sport and letting folks know what we do. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys as well. And then also we have uh, Ty Thompson with us. Ty, welcome. Thank you, Greg and Greg. It's always a pleasure and looking forward very much to explaining about how we accomplish this great sport of golf when we can't actually see what we're hitting. Absolutely. Definitely a lot of questions here, and I'm sure our listeners are begging to know a lot of things, so we've got a lot to, to discuss. Uh, so first off, we'll start with Greg Hooper here. Greg, just give us a, kind of a bio in a nutshell about yourself, your life, and your background. Well, my uh, background is growing up just outside of Atlanta, and uh, in high school, uh, losing one eye in high school uh, through a a series of uh, events that uh, led us to believe that I had a disease called pseudoxanthomoelasticum, or PXE, which affects the connective tissues of the body. And through that, our retina is one of those tissues. So um, I lost that sight in that eye, but then continued on to college and worked with just one eye as an engineer in both the chicken industry and the paper industry until I lost the other eye at the age of 35. And then my company graciously retired me out and allowed me to start volunteering both at the high school uh, with the band program there, and then on further to volunteer and be a member of the United States Blind Golf Association for the last 11 years. So uh, in that period of time, there's been a all types of both personal and uh, professional strife that that kept us from doing exactly what we wanted to do. But we have found kind of a niche with this blind golf and uh, the uh, USBGA and all of the folks that are involved in that. And uh, we have now settled into a lifestyle and retirement that absolutely um, is a blessing for us to, to deal with as many blind and visually impaired kids that we do with our clinics and things of that nature. And the uh, sheer fact of just the camaraderie with the other blind golfers and having someone who understands exactly what we've been through. Exactly. Very interesting. And uh, let's go to Ty now. Ty, give us uh, kind of a overview of your background and your, your story. Be glad to, Greg. Uh, I grew up on the coast of Virginia, on Chesapeake Bay, and unlike Greg Hooper, I lost my eyes in about five minutes. My wife and I were walking on the beach in South Carolina on vacation, and I looked up at a building that I knew was flat, 
And I said, what's wrong with that building? She says, what do you mean? I said, there's not a straight line on that anywhere. And within five minutes, uh, all my central vision was gone. Wow. So it was a sudden adjustment. And I had been very athletic, uh, playing a lot of sports, but they were all moving ball sports. And my wife said, you need to get back outside. And she said, why don't you play golf? And I said, well, you know, I've swatted around on it sometimes with the boys, but we ended up doing more uh, consumption of beverages than we did playing golf. <laughs> and <Yep>. uh, <laughs> anyway, I decided to try and learn how to hit a ball that wasn't moving and found out I really liked it and joined a, a group called the Short Knockers, which was a bunch of retired guys that didn't mind helping me learn the game and lining me up. And then I became a member of the United States Blind Golf Association, whose motto is, you don't have to see it to tee it. And subsequently was also a member of the International Blind Golf Association. And like Greg, I've played in tournaments around the world as well as in the United States and Canada. Uh, and it's become a real family experience. The people that you meet in this sport and their coaches and their spouses uh, become literally like family. You communicate all year round with them. And it's a great experience and something that's, that's truly a wonderful life to live when your cup goes half empty on how to look at it being half full. Absolutely. No doubt. And I, I do love the uh, little slogan there you guys have. You don't have to see it to see it. That uh, really sums it up because obviously golf, you know, people assume it's such a visual sport. Having to watch the ball after you hit it, having to really, you know, stare down that ball uh, and follow it and everything. And so it's, it's so cool that, uh, you know, the USPGA exists and, this uh, I know the sport really has been around for quite a while, and I guess we could go back to Greg on this one. If you want to just give us kind of an overview of the USBGA, and from what I understand, it was started, I think, back in the 50s? That is correct, sir. Uh, it started kind of as a rehab program for military vets that had uh, visual uh, problems after serving before it was organized in 1953 as a uh, organization for totally blind players. And uh, as uh, time went on, uh, the USPGA molded to also uh, include uh, visually impaired golfers who are legally blind and uh, all the way through until totally dark blind. The USPGA membership is a collection of gentlemen that uh, over years and years have developed uh, a way. You have to explain that the USPGA and blind golf in particular are not individual sports once we lose our sight. It becomes a team sport at that point in time because all of us have a coach that uh, fill in for that sensory uh, that we do not have with, uh, with vision. So they stand behind us, make sure that uh, one, that we're not gonna hit the ball and injure somebody, but also that uh, we are uh, maintaining the, the game that we love and have loved all of our lives and uh, that uh, they read putts for us. They take us for totally blind players. They take them back and forth to the golf cart. And for uh, all of us, they are our eyes and they are our partner in this and our teammate. 
And uh, as those coaches uh, and the roles of the coaches developed over the years, now it is totally a uh, team sport for us as far as blind golf is concerned. We depend on our coach for everything. And if we cannot do this with our coaches, and uh, I'm proud to say that uh, I think the world of my major coach, which is my, uh, my son, who uh, as growing up playing the game, understood the game and is actually a, a really uh, good golfer himself. So uh, between him, my daughters, uh, son-in-laws, friends, it's just amazing the amount of people that will come out and help you out and be a coach for you. So the USBGA uh, nowadays uh, uh, is part of, as Ty said, the International Blind Golf Association. And that association uh, uh, governs blind golf around the world. And uh, we participate in their events. They participate in our events. And uh, through the game of golf, we have developed a organization that uh, yes, we've been around for 75 years, but it is, it's a great organization. That's awesome. And I definitely want to dive a little further into just that, the relationship between the blind golfer and his or her coach. And uh, maybe we could go to Ty on this one. If you could just talk about whether you've had just one or multiple coaches over time and just that relationship and then the communication involved and how that coach really helps you out. Well, sure. As, as Greg pointed out to you that, we couldn't play the game of golf without a coach. And the background of that uh, was established when the U.S. Blind Golf Association approached the U.S. Golf Association and created three rules modifications for blind and visually impaired golfers. And those being, one, you're allowed to coach. Two, your coach can stand behind you for any stroke of play. And three, uh, you can ground your club in a hazard because we have no depth perception, no depth of field. Yep. Otherwise, we play by the exact same rules as the pros play by on TV. And our coach has different roles depending upon your site classification. Now, there are three site classifications. As you heard Greg talk about everything from totally dark, which is a B1, to legally blind, which is a B3. And a B2 falls in the middle, which uh, has vision between 2,600 in each eye and totally dark, whereas a B3 at visually impaired is between 2,200 and 2,600. So gotcha. your coach has different roles they can help provide based upon your site category. For example, in a B1, the coach is extremely vital. They have to do everything from setting your club in place before you swing to walking you to and from the cart and describing the whole layout. Whereas in a visually impaired situation, the coach may describe the hole, but may not have to set the club down behind the ball for you. Uh, you may be able to spot something in your peripheral vision that might indicate that that's a ball, especially a lot of us will play with colored balls uh, to help identify them from other objects on the course. But as Greg mentioned, they are a critical element and your communication is key because the more the coach can describe to you about the shape of the hole and where the good spots are to strike the ball and leave it versus the bad spots, the better play and more fun you will have in your day of golf. Right. Very interesting. I might mention one other thing, Greg, is that sure. um, 
you heard him talk about the coach reads the putts for you. And I would say, yeah, for a majority of players, that's true, especially the B1s. They'll read the putt. They'll describe the distance and the break to the player. Now, for me, I'm a little bit different because uh, when I started to pick up the game, I went uh, to the golf course. My wife would drop me off there and pick me up five or six hours later, but no one really wanted to play with a black guy. So I spent my whole time practicing putting and chipping and being an engineer also by trade. I spent the time figuring out how to read the contours of the greens with my feet. And I can now do that. And that's part of the reason why the short knockers picked me up is they, they go, how in the world are we going to help you putt? I said, guys, this is the easy part. I read the greens with my feet. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us some other story. That's a tall tale. I said, well, I tell you what, go ahead. Let me walk it off. So I walked off the distance and I remember the first hole. I said, okay, I've got a 15 foot putt. It breaks four inches to the left of the last four feet. And they're like, yeah, we play here all the time. It does not do that. It might break an inch. I said, well, I tell you what, we're playing in a scramble. Why don't I go first? You line me up the way I suggest. And the worst thing that'll happen is you'll get a good read. And they said, sure. So they tell me, you know, turn clockwise a little bit, clockwise more and more. Okay, you're good. And I said, I'm four inches outside the cup. They said, yep. So I put the ball. And the first words I hear are, son of a gun. <laughs> you click up, it just goes into the cup. <laughs> and from that day forward, they, they said, you can play with us anytime. And uh, again, mm. they're all sighted, but they don't mind. And they actually enjoy helping out the uh, blind uh, compatriot that they have to play with. Right. That's a great little story just on how you kind of, you know, involved yourself, put yourself out there and, and you were accepted and, you know, they, they were willing to, to work with you. Uh, as far as uh, the USPGA, I guess we can go back to Greg on this one. Let's just talk about, you know, an actual tournament, how many individuals, how many golfers would actually participate? Uh, what's the length of the tournament? How many holes do you guys play? Just a little more details on that. Sure. Sure. Let's uh, take, for instance, our Nationals, which will be coming up in uh, October this year down at, uh, in Orlando. Uh, we typically have somewhere around 35 to 40 uh, golfers at those events. They will be a uh, two-day event as far as the competition side, and we'll always have a practice day ahead of it. Uh, we all uh, play uh, whatever we want. In other words, we have a division uh, for men, a division for seniors, and a division for women. And within those divisions, we will have uh, play both in stroke play and in stable for, uh, for the high handicap players. Uh, they choose to, to uh, play stable for just for the pace of play and uh, make our rounds not last six and seven hours. Uh, for a typical golf tournament that we hold, uh, four and a half to five hours. Uh, sometimes five and a half, according to how tough the golf course is, uh, is a typical round for us. Our coaches do keep us moving and, and don't let us dawdle around very much. And for those players who are playing Stableford, they will uh, pick the ball up after a double bogey, which helps speed up the play itself. Uh, because some of our uh, high handicap golfers, we go all the way up to handicaps as high as 30, 40 strokes over par. So 
Now, it gets to be uh, quite time-consuming if we did not have that in place. So for us, a typical tournament is a two-day tournament uh, with a combined uh, or a growth score at the end of that for the players who are playing stroke, and then a uh, combined number of points for the two days for the guys who are playing and the ladies who are playing Stableford during that period of time. We have some lady golfers who choose to play stroke, and we have some lady golfers who choose to play Stableford also. So the uh, the entire group uh, and everything that we do at one of our tournaments is intended to help the golf course out as far as time and things of that nature. Plus, we, Ty and I both can uh, attest that a seven-and-a-half-hour day, which we did experience in a golf tournament a few years ago, is a very, very long day to be on a golf course. So that's why we typically try to cut this down to, you know, four and a half, five hours max if we can. Um, this year, uh, with, with the uh, national tournament that's going to be in Orlando, we're going to move it directly up to St. Augustine and hold what we called a regional tournament behind that. And for your folks that are listening that thought, well, I don't know if I would like this or not, one of our regional tournaments is perfect for that. Uh, our regional tournaments do not have any qualifications like our nationals do in order to play in it. And, and if you're looking at the possibility of getting into this uh, blind sport, then um, a, one of our regionals is a perfect way to come and see us and experience that at a very, very lower rate. Uh, most regionals have 10 to 15 people in them. Uh, it's very, very low stress. Everybody's just there to have fun. And it's a great way to introduce yourself to the game of blind golf with the United States Blind Golf Association. So uh, we hold tournaments like that just for those folks that, who basically just want to take a look at us. Right. Very cool. That's awesome that you guys offer those opportunities for, you know, prospective golfer that, that might be kind of on the fence about it and can Absolutely. really be in a safe environment and, and comfortable. Well, being members, as long as Ty and I have, uh, we understand completely how uh, intimidated and apprehensive it is to get out on a golf course uh, in a competition uh, uh, setting the, for the very first time. Uh, it is very intimidating. You don't know who's around you. Being visually impaired also, you can't really see the, the, the total environment and things of that nature. So it is a little stressful that first time. Uh, I know for me, uh, the very first time that I played with the, with these crazy bunch, uh, you know, <laughs> I shot 110 on the first day and thought that I was just absolutely the worst golfer in the world until some of the other players came in that had shot 150 and 160. And they, the attitude of these golfers is phenomenal. Uh, they'll have a day like that come in and say they've had the greatest day on, a, on the golf course that they've ever had. So it's a phenomenal group uh, and the way that they handle this game and handle their disability is just absolutely amazing. For sure. Yep. That's awesome. And then Ty, maybe you want to talk about some of the different courses uh, around the country and perhaps even internationally. I know I was reading that, uh, you know, USBGA has had hosted events at some pretty well-known courses and clubs, right? That is true, Greg. We've, We've actually been all over the United States for both regionals and national tournaments. Uh, You heard that we're going to be playing at the World Golf Hall of Fame for Florida Regional after our 75th annual national tournament this year. We've played on the West Coast, the Midwest, East Coast, Northeast, uh, Southeast. We've 
played at high-end courses in Miami, as well as, now I wasn't a member until 2004, so uh, I wasn't part of that particular event, but I want to say they were at Doral. Anyway, they've been, like, like uh, Greg mentioned, a number of absolutely fabulous courses, and I wish I could see some of those, but my coach is always happy to describe them to me. I've had several coaches over time because that's the best thing to have. You have to be able to travel. So they have to have the ability to either be retired or have time off from work to help with your needs. But one of the things you, you might not have heard yet from Greg is that we like giving back to the communities we're in. For example, we host blind and visually impaired children's clinics. I myself have hosted four of those, uh, as well as four regional tournaments in here in Kentucky. But the most important thing is a lot of these children aren't challenged in their daily life or given the ability to accomplish something that they never thought they could. So by taking them out of their school during the day and trying to teach them to hit a ball that they can't see, whether they're visually impaired or totally blind is the most rewarding experience that you can possibly imagine. Um, when I started off doing these regionals, as Greg said, yeah, your first year, you might get 10 or 12 players. And uh, eventually I ended up with 40 because they found out it was a fantastic location. The people were friendly. It was a lot of camaraderie and I helped children's clinics, blind and visually impaired children's clinics, of which I started getting pros, teaching pros, asking me if they could participate because they had heard about how fantastic it was and what a learning experience that the other pros got from it. It's a, it's a rare occurrence where you have to turn down pros because you've got too many of them. Wow, that's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. And uh, let's see, as far as just your achievements, I'm definitely curious if, if both of you could talk about uh, you know, any, <clears throat> any tournaments that stand out in your mind that you've competed in or won or, and, or even locations, different courses that you've really enjoyed. I guess we can uh, go back to Greg on that one first. Well, this is going to be the most boring story you've heard all day long because Greg <laughs> has not won a tournament yet. I have been uh, net champion for the country uh, three times during my career. But I am going to have to defer to my uh, partner here, uh, Ty, because Ty has been a, a champion uh, many times over in his uh, effort. Ty is a really good golfer. Uh, I just go out there and whack the ball and they tell me where it goes and I'll go and hit it again. So um, for the most part, I, I come close but uh, and have been close a couple of two or three times, but for the most part, my category, which is a B3 golfer, and Ty is a B2 golfer, uh, my category is stacked very well with some very great players here in the U.S. And uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to grab that first place trophy, but uh, I hope one day my turn will come. But uh, I'm going to defer to Ty to talk about how the champion feels at this point in time. Well, Greg, you are most kind um, and maybe a little too, <laughs> too flattering. Uh, I have been fortunate, but again, I, I told you I was very athletic and did a lot of sports and they were all moving ball sports or skiing or water skiing or sailing or scuba diving. Uh, 
I did a lot of things. When I picked up golf, it was, like I said, something pretty much new for me. And I took to it pretty well because I did play competitive softball and baseball. So I have been the, the good fortune of winning the U.S. National Championship twice, the Canadian National Championship. I've been a net national championship and visually impaired three times and in Canada, the overall champion one time for the national championship. I've won 14 regionals and come in second place 10 times. Wow. Um, but again, I get more out of it by helping. You heard Greg talk initially about the newcomers and how scared or strange they may feel trying to compete for the first time. And it's, I get more out of it by saying, okay, put me with the newcomer in the practice round of the first round. I would rather help them and teach them how to calm their nerves and how to consider how to play blind golf in a competition than any other thing. That's what I enjoy. And I get a great deal of response out of it. They really seem to sink well when I'm sitting there right next to them trying to explain to them how to consider thinking about a hole or a shot before they even go out and hit the ball. Because I remember my first time I ever played, I was shaking like a leaf. I literally had no idea what to expect. I literally couldn't stop my hands from shaking. Wow. uh, But it's still a great experience. Sure. Sure. And I'm curious, Ty, I know we were talking about, uh, you know, some of the, the different courses and whatnot. And how do you guys identify a course? I mean, is there any, is, you know, as far as accessibility goes, as far as ease of getting into and out of the course uh, for a blind individual, is that accounted for at all in the decision to, you know, on an actual location to host one of these tournaments? Greg, you want me to do that, or would you like to talk? Ty is probably, and Ty and I both have hosted. I I hosted the 2015 Nationals and U.S. Open here in Atlanta. Uh, Basically, what we look for, Greg, is a course where the blind and visually impaired uh, golfer can have a challenge, but at the same time not be frustrated by the course itself. Uh, We generally pick a course that, uh, we have yardage uh, considerations that we have, like our men's group plays at uh, somewhere around 6,000 yards. So we look at the course, uh, see if we can get that kind of a distance for the men's division. Uh, we'll also look to see uh, that force carries over water or over uh, wastelands and things of that nature does not inhibit our totally blind golfer from being able to, uh, to play the game. Some of those players, uh, you know, most of them are very good players, but there are some that uh, a 50 or 60-yard shot is a good shot for them. 150 yards is phenomenal. So we try to not give them as many forced carries on the course as we can. We also look at things like uh, traps, things of that nature. Is it easy to get them in and out of? We try to avoid traps that are four feet deep things of that nature. Uh, We also try to make sure that uh, going from the cart to the tee box back into the cart again is not a dangerous, uh, let's say, over rock or something like that uh, so that our players are as safe as possible because safety is one of our monster concerns for this organization. Um, 
we also try to make sure that clubhouse wise and those kind of things is is all uh, they understand about the blind golf side of it. They understand what we're going to be doing and uh, just make sure that the staff itself is, is ready for us to come into it. So with all of those factors, you know, we try to go and play a course ahead of time. In fact, Ty and myself just got through playing that World Golf Hall of Fame course that we're going to have in October. Uh, and uh, we analyzed, you know, what's going to be our big concerns for our B1 golfers, what's going to be our big concerns for the rest of the field. You know, where is it the type of course that we're going to have fun? Uh, but yet have a challenge to where, you know, we don't feel like, you know, we're being pacified by playing on this course because all of us, believe it or not, are very competitive uh, all the way through the organization. So when we go to pick out a course, we try to take everybody's cons- uh, uh, in all fairness to everybody in our group. Uh, we, we try to take that into consideration when we try to go and choose a course. Gotcha. Very interesting. So there's quite a process, it sounds like, in place to, to really evaluate and do a lot of work ahead of time. Yes. And, there, uh, you know, before we ever, as a board of directors, uh, take on the responsibility of having a tournament at any location, we try to get all the information that we can before we get there. Gotcha. Very cool. And then just a few more here. I definitely wanted to ask both of you uh, just about, you know, why would you encourage someone to try blind golf, maybe who has never played golf in their lives before, just the benefits of, uh, of the sport and what you really, truly enjoy most about it. And I guess we can go back to Ty on that one. Sure, Greg, I'd like to tell you first off that blind golf is not necessarily just about competing. It's about the friendships that you make. I've made lifelong friends in this organization when I wasn't really a golfer beforehand. It's something that you look forward to about getting together with these folks, regardless of how you play. We've got members that are from age 17 to age 87 that still play. Wow. And play both with exciting uh, thrills and the agony of defeat sometimes, but that just makes great stories at the 19th hole. So when Greg is talking about checking out the clubhouse and the staff, he's just trying to say in a nice way, they want to make sure they got a big enough bar with enough holes that everybody can attend. So it's the, the experience of being with the other folks that share the same condition as you just makes us a big family. And it's not really about the competition as much as it is about the family. And for something that I never belonged in before, even though I play a lot of competitive sports, the family is what I look forward to when I go back. And it's the most encouraging thing I've ever attended. Awesome. Very well said. I can just hear the the passion in your voice for this sport. <laughs> and uh, Greg, how about you? Well, just like Ty just got through saying, this is one big family from uh, even the, the newest golfers that we just uh, had joined our group, uh, a, a young man from New Jersey who's 17 years old. Uh, phenomenal golfer. Uh, we want him to come into the organization and feel as welcome as the folks that have been a member for the last 30 years. 
there is nothing better, and I've got to agree with Ty, to watch a new golfer come in or even in some of our junior clinics. I know we, we try here in Georgia to have a, a junior clinic with the kids at least once a month, once every other month. And to find a, a young person or even an adult who has never tried to play this game before and uh, they, they want to try it, they, you start them off from the simple thing of holding a ball in one hand and a club in the other hand, uh, feel what part of the club is supposed to touch the ball. You put it down for them and teach them what motion that they should have for a swing and to see and hear the reaction the very first time that they touch the ball. I don't care if it didn't go a foot. They felt the end of the club touched the ball, and they are ecstatic because they succeeded in something that they had never tried before. Uh, for all of us here, you know, we, we try to teach all of our kids in our junior programs that you're not here to learn the game of golf. You are here to understand that you are not limited in anything that you would want to do. There is something for everyone out there. And if you have a passion for it, or if you want to try it, there's going to be someone who will teach you. So we try to, uh, you know, let our kids understand, never, ever, ever let anybody tell you that you cannot do something because we are living proof that in the game of golf, that no matter how bad your visual uh, acuity is, how long you've been without sight, there is a way for us to teach you to hit the ball and enjoy what you're doing out there. And as Ty said, it's not always about the competition. I have a group of ladies that are visually impaired that we play with once a month, and their big thrill is to just go out into the sunshine, hit the ball as far as they can, and get back in the cart and go and do it again the next time. And they just have a great time, and they – yeah, honestly, started from zero. Both ladies had never swung a golf club in their life. And here we are two years later, and we're playing nine holes of golf once a month with them. And they think it's the best thing that's ever happened. So it, it doesn't matter, you know, how bad your disability is. It doesn't matter if you're a one arm, if you've got an amputee, or you're visually impaired. It does not matter. There is some program out there somewhere that can teach you just about anything. And Greg, as you have experienced with the kayaking and the biking and all of the other sports that are out there, that golf is just the same. We, we have the ability to teach and to coach you to a point where you can enjoy this game or decide that maybe that's just not your, going to be your cup of tea. Either way, the, don't ever let anybody tell you that you cannot do something and uh, we are living proof that that is not the truth, that you can do anything that you want to. No doubt about that. That uh, I got chills just listening to you right there, Greg. <laughs> Great words. <laughs> cool. All right. Then to wrap up here, uh, Greg, if you want to just tell people, how can they find out more about the USBGA and blind golf in general? Absolutely. Uh, in order to get a hold of us, it's just as easy as going to your computer. All you have to do is uh, look up www.usblindgolf.com. You can also Google the words uh, United States Blind Golf and find us that direction. That will lead you to our webpage. And on the webpage, 
<clears throat> excuse me, you will find a tab that says membership. You can also read all about uh, the requirements for the visual acuity side of it in order to be on the competition side of it. Uh, you can also read about some of our history and uh, who to get a hold of. I mean, all of us are listed uh, on those pages. Ty is our communications director. So uh, Ty can uh, get you information along with our membership chair, Ms. Sheila Drummond, uh, myself, any of us can get the information to them. Awesome. Very cool. All right. So, well, Greg Hooper, Ty Thompson, thank you both so much for your time today joining me here on Ice Free Sports. Uh, really enjoyed learning about Blind Golf, the USPGA, and like you've all said, just the, the family that you guys have in Blind Golf. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Greg. Greg. Thank you for having us. We, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk about our sport because uh, we're really passionate about this side of it, and uh, we'd love to put that across to as many people as possible. It's our pleasure, Greg. And just remember, you don't have to see it to tee it. Absolutely. All righty. Thanks, guys, so much. Thank you, Greg. sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports. Eyes Free Sports.